all, and welcome to episode three of Left for Dread. Woo! Spoopy time! Today, we are going to talk about a Shudder exclusive, hi Shudder, uh, called Prevenge. Uh, and this was actually on Chris's idea. Um, yeah, so uh, we were sh- uh, talking shop about episode ideas, and due to some due to some like scheduling, th- um, we were just reviewing the schedule, and we we're just trying to figure out some new ideas for this episode, which is being released at the beginning of June. And uh, both of us, both we, we both have Shutter. And Shutter is home to a bunch of Shutter exclusive and Shutter original movies and shows and other content like that. So we thought it would be fun to um, choose a Shutter exclusive. Um, we may not necessarily stick to Shutter uh, or limit, or I'm sorry, limit ourselves to Shutter. I was gonna say. Uh, there's also other. Yes, we're sticking to Shutter. Yes. We love Shutter. Okay, we'll cut, we're, we're going to cut all that out. We love Shudder. And Shudder, if you're listening, please sponsor yes, please us. sponsor us. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> we love you. Uh, so we were we were looking through the list of Shudder exclusives. And the one that just just jumped on us right at the get-go and we, uh, was called Prevenge. And um, me... Ryan and I, we were just laughing over how ridiculous the title sound and like the cover art, and we had to do this for our first Shutter exclusive review spoiler cast episode. episode. Um, so yeah, so we're doing we're doing Revenge today, and we're. I also we, we had a lot of fun. Watching I also this. feel like we might have made an error in judgment for our Mother's Day episode because watching this, I was like, oh, true facts. this should have been the Mother's Day episode. Well, it's really interesting because, like, like uh, Shudder sent me an email, like, their, uh, I guess their email newsletter, just updating what's new and popping, and they have, like, a whole bunch of Mother's Day-themed horror movies coming out. Not uh, Prevention is one of them. The other one that popped up was called Stillborn, which is described as a reversal of Rosemary's Baby. Which is like, oh, I love Rosemary's Baby. So that's, that sounds really interesting. And, I mean, this just came out, or I'm sorry, the, the email was probably sent out, I think maybe like yesterday or two days ago. Yeah. So... I got, this, I got yeah, the same but, I mean, one, but you know what? We have plenty of time. The next time we do a Shudder movie, we might be doing that or we might be doing something else. Shudder has a lot of awesome oppor- like opportunities. like Not opportunities, but Shudder has a, has a lot of amazing collections. That, and the way they put it together makes it really easy for you to try and figure out what you want to watch that night. That night. I know that I'll say to myself, well, I want to watch a horror movie, but I don't know what I want to watch. I go on Shutter. They divide everything up by collection, and then they do something that I really love, which is sometimes they'll have guest curators or director spotlights, and they'll group everything together. Or if it's like a guest curator, I think Elijah Wood's on there right now, and it's all of his favorite yes. movies, which is so awesome. So Shutter, keep doing that because it's it's amazing. Um, spoilers. Um... Ryan, you can cut this out if, if it's like jumping the gun. But when we were reviewing Shutter, the fact that they had guest curators as um, a means of co- of collating and sorting out spe- specific movie titles, uh, we still like uh, I, I I say steal from the greats. So we really we're really interested in emulating that idea for the future of the show. Like we're gonna have. We would like to have guests on our show, and maybe we could do guest creator episodes for Left for Dread. So we get on guest hosts, friends of the show, maybe some horror movie um, uh, industry people, and we could talk, or just horror horror fans in general, and we can talk about their favorite movies. Hell yeah! So yeah, so it's something something to consider. Uh, so thank you, Shutter. We we're we're totally not being paid to. No, we're not. We're, no, absolutely this, not. We're not. We should be paid, Shutter. So cough, cough. cough no, cough, we're cough. not. 
I mean, obviously, we like we're pandering a little bit, but we're not trying to come off as like, like desperate in a word. But um, the first time I heard about Shutter, I felt right at home because Netflix is great, and Netflix does. And Netflix has improved on their selection tremendously. But the fact that there is an all horror streaming service just makes me feel really, as a horror fan, it just makes me feel really, like, loved. So thank you, Shudder, for existing. Yeah. And the uh, as a quick as a quick tack on, the people at Shudder are really awesome. Uh, I was volunteering at a convention. It's Awesome Con in D.C. It's a... Uh, it's a young but pretty hopping nerd convention, um, which happened this past April, and our booth was right next or right around the corner from the Shutter booth. So I got to talk to some of the Shutter people. They're really cool. We were just, I was really freaking out and fanboying, um, just complimenting work, and they gave me a, f- a pair of free Shutter satanic socks. It's like, oh my god, this is great. So. Thank you, Shudder. You're great. Okay. On that note, let's get dive into Prevenge. Yes. I love that title. It's 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 so it's so good. So perfect. I when I when I look at the poster, part of me is like, I really want to be her for Halloween. I mean, that's such a doable and easy closet cosplay slash costume. You could No, it it absolutely is. I just think that um, this was awesome because this was something really new and different that i hadn't seen before mm-hmm. it's it's also i mean it's it's definitely an indie darling so it's very quirky and it's also a black comedy so there's a lot of like really weird absurd and funny moments in the movie which just maybe just maybe have such a great time watching it um so just for Yes. So, so before we dive into the review, uh, I'm gonna I'm on the Shutter app right now. So I'm gonna read off the the synopsis of the film, and then Ryan and I will give our thoughts on it. So, quote: A pitch black, wryly British comedy from the mind of Alice Rowe, parentheses sightseers, prevent. <clears throat> Prevenge follows Ruth, a pregnant woman on a killing spree that's as funny as it is vicious. It's her misanth oh my oof. It's her misanthropo wow. It's her misanthropic unborn unborn baby dictating Ruth's ash- actions, holding society responsible for the absence of a father. The child speaks to Ruth from the womb, coaching her to lure and ultimately kill her un- unexpected victims. Struggling with her conscious loneliness and a strange strain of postpartum madness, Ruth must ultimately choose between redemption and destruction at the moment of motherhood. Prevenge marks the directorial debut from Lowe, who is a true triple threat, writing, directing, and acting the film during her, her own real-life pregnancy. So, Alice Lowe is this hardcore, amazing triple threat and... I I fully ap- applaud her for what she pulled off. That it's just it's just so impressive. This movie was f- was friggin' rad. Like I I I love black comedies. I also happen to have like a very like weird and dark sense of humor. Um but so the way this movie starts off is you see uh a hillside you hear waves you see brain matter on a rock (laughs) and you see a pregnant woman sitting on a bench in front of a fire crying and then all of a sudden she's across the street and she's going into a reptile shop and this guy who owns the shop (laughs) is talking to her about all these different um like uh, weird reptiles and insects that, that you can buy. And at first I was like, okay, this is odd, but I'm, I'm going to take the ride. I want to know where it goes. And then it got like, obviously dirty yet funny at the same time, really fast. He was pointing out all of these different animals to her because she goes on, she goes in there under the guise that she's shopping for her son. And he was like, 
you want to see my big fat snake? I was like, are like, you serious? It's like, it's slimy. And like, do you want to touch it or pick it up? I was like, oh. Uh, uh, like, uh, and he was like, you want to see my private collection? I was like, oh, God, this is so cringeworthy. It's genius. And then, of course, that was a was a great, great kill. He's bending over looking for a pregnant spider and he's like, where are you, you little bitch? And I'm like, oh, don't talk to the spider that way. That's not very That's not very kind. And while he's looking for her, we don't even get a chance to see this spider because Ruth comes up behind him and just slashes his throat. Oh, and it's so abrupt and sudden. It's like, oh, well, this, they, shit's real. Oh, yes. yeah. She, <laughs> did, she held nothing back, just like couldn't, started it off right in your face with that kill. And then you see that she's burning the dress she killed that guy with, which is how the movie opens. And she only gets more brazen from there. And I remember sitting watching this movie like she gets very sloppy at points. And I'm sitting there yelling at the TV like, girl, you're leaving fingerprints all over this house. And then it got to a point where I was like, or is this not that kind of movie? Like, are we just, are we just, igno- okay, we're ignoring the fact that all that's happening. Got it. So, so e- either, either the police is so ridiculously bad at their job or. It just uh, wasn't even Ruth, a factor. Ruth is such an unreliable narrator that we can't really trust what's going on. Yeah, um, it was just, it was, it was just not even a factor into the plot, which I actually kind of liked. I was like, oh good. So no, no cop chases no nothing and i remember um my second favorite kill of the movie uh she goes to this woman's house under the guise of uh you know i don't know if you have this in dc chris but here in new york we have people that stand out on the street with clipboards that get in your face and they go hi do you have a minute to talk about the environment we we do they they don't hang out or they they don't come nor Wow, they, don't they don't do door, door to door, door no. but they hang out at the metro stations. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So we have that uh, literally everywhere. And she goes to this woman's house under a guise of um, donate, making a charitable donation to a child organization. And the woman's like, no, sorry. And she goes to close the door and she's like, well, do you have a toilet? Can I use it? Because And because she's pregnant, she's like, well, I don't want to be a dick. So she lets her in. Now, two things happen with this whole sequence that I love. The first is the entire interaction up until Ruth kills this woman. She tries to kill her, and this woman is very fit. She tries to kill her, and then when she gets her bearings, she comes back around the corner, and the woman is standing there in boxing gloves. And I was like, oh she my god. She defends herself with boxing, and it's just, it's just so... <laughs> it's, it reminds me a lot of a serial mom. It's, just like, it's so jarring and bizarre. It was and- so good. <laughs> And they're just they're just getting to a row like, hey, stop it! That's annoying. Stop punching me in the face. And then and then even though Ruth is is brandishing a knife, um, what's her name? Uh, Ella. I think it's it's no, it's not Ella. Ella's the the professional workaholic. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember her like, name. Boxer, boxer chair, uh, boxer lady. <laughs> uh, then gut uh, punches her in the gut. And Ruth's like, ah, and then and she's like, oh my god, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? And then, but you know, Ruth is still holding the knife. And then, and and then then Boxy Lady just she gets stuck. She gets it. So she manages to squeeze herself out through the doggy door, and then she starts running away. (laughs) I think the best thing after that, though, is so in between all of these kills, she keeps going to get herself checked out because she is pregnant, and she keeps going to the doctor. And she was telling her how she was giving her an example of like, oh, did you know that, you know, your boobs can produce milk at any time? They can go off like. Uh, or, or when you, or when you hear like a specific frequency. Oh, yeah. Or hear, and then so when she when she crawls out, the police sirens trigger. The, no, it wasn't the police sirens. Or was it something else? It was her killing the boxer. Oh, she was looks it? down uh. and she goes, Really? I was like, Yes. And it's just so weird. It's like, oh and you just roll with it. It's like, okay, yeah. That's like Well, because because a lot of the a lot of the premise when you are with the healthcare professional, a lot of the premise of this movie was you have to be in control, but you also are you're 
you're not in control of your body, but you are going to be in control of the life that is inside you. That is like this constant message yeah. that keeps getting drilled it, into her. It's this satire and then and this poignant but dark commentary on how it feels to be a, a motherhood. Pre- yeah, how, a motherhood yeah. How it feels to be pregnant and how you know pregnant women get the short stick a lot. Like for example, that you know not being hired. Or, or being pregnant as, as as a disqualifier for being hired at a job uh, because of like maternity leave and companies are don't want to pay or you know don't want to uh, reach out a limb to help like someone in that situation, especially for someone who's a widower and a single mom or or, or soon to be single mom, or the fact that you know pregnant women are looked at in a different light and most of the time in this movie is being portrayed in negative and not not ne- it's not negative to be pregnant but the how society looks at the main character most of the time is like is with derision and like yeah with cond- what's it uh con- condescending um so i found it really interesting it's like, especially in hollywood pregnancy is seen or is treated with like with like rose-colored glasses, um, but like this movie is like re- it's like a really deep interior character study of like yeah, pregnancies are not always great. They're, they're it could be ugly, it could be really painful, it could be terrifying, and you know, and- right? It it creates this narrative of I'm not glowing. I don't feel great. Does that mean I'm I'm gonna be a bad mother? It creates this beautiful narrative of, no, you don't have to be the I'm so happy and blissful and glowing mom. That's not what it's about. You are literally growing another person inside your body. I'm sorry, but there is nothing about that that sounds like you should be, like, glowing and happy. I mean, yes, obviously, if you want to have children and you want to be happy about raising a child, yeah, I get that, but... The act of growing a human doesn't sound like something to be. I mean, it's it's happy about it. There's like a you know and hard. It's like a good side and a bad side. It's 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 gray. It's it's a it's it's all it's a gray area, um and and what I really found poignant is like they take this this satire this metaphor of like postpartum depression and the struggles of motherhood or pregnancy and they they and like this theme of well you're when you're pregnant your life isn't really your own anymore per se you you are you have to cater to the whims of this child of this thing growing inside you this miracle of life that's helpless and that needs you and you got to basically re- reconstruct your entire world to support this baby or support this new life and you know Prevenge takes it with a malevolent bent where it's like this baby is literally talking to me this or or may it's 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 unsure if like she's hallucinating or if the baby is actually talking to her but throughout this entire movie her unborn baby is talking to her and urging her on to kill uh and to take revenge and it's just it's, it takes on that horror bent but extends from a place of feeling and a place of of reflection that I feel like many other many pregnant women can relate to. Um, so it's real, but takes it one step above or uh, far uh, one step further where like it's uh, in the realm of imagination. So in that sense, you can still enjoy it for what it is, like a horror movie, like a like a nice popcorn thriller, but. Uh, it's still it's still pretty heavy. Like I liken it to like a Black Mirror episode, where like it's it's like it's it's absurd and like creepy, but it's not that removed from reality. And it's like which makes it all the more scarier. So, which I and that's why I greatly enjoyed this film. Yeah, the the whole the whole thing was going back to this uh, idea that your body is no longer your own that weighs very heavily on Ruth and her choices in this movie so that's why 
as sort of disturbing as it is to watch a pregnant woman go around killing people. That's why I loved that kill with, with her killing that boxer so much because it had a funny, sad moment all in one. She's only there because her baby is dictating for her to kill, which means she's not in control of her body. Because every single time she's tried to resist, you see her buckling over in pain. Like this kid's like, no, you're going to do it or else I'm going to make your life a living hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're... in that moment, in that moment, not only do you have that, that you have been trying to remember this whole time you have the lactation which happens right after she it, stabs her which i was yeah, just it like kills Sherry. all the tension it's like oh this, yeah, this is exactly. like this is this movie's also funny and terrifying yeah um, so i think i think what i loved about that though is uh as she after she manages to like squeeze herself out of the doggy door which i don't know how she did that um you see her running away from the crime scene with her hood up and you know she's she's jogging along and then all of a sudden she stops and she pulls off the hood and she just keeps on walking and i'm like yeah lady no one's gonna suspect you of doing anything you're a pregnant woman literally no one is going to think anything (laughs) and i think that was that moment of her like yeah why why am i running yeah i didn't yeah who's gonna suspect me and exactly um I, i mean like I get ah, I, right? I I don't know. I can't help it. Like I we sometimes this podcast gets too real. But like w- when I was watching this, uh, one of the things that I was thinking about was um, um, how how like that that very much that factor of like people don't really suspect pregnant people or pregnant women to to be capable of of this kind of violence and therefore they're they go unnoticed and for some context for people who don't know some some of my prior career background and educational background i used to study a lot about national security and counterterrorism and one of the things we used to talk about in class uh was this trend of uh islamist terrorist cells and groups and insurgencies they would um, recruit um, uh, like wives and sisters of other terrorists, and who and either they were pregnant or they would disguise themselves as pregnant to carry out suicide terrorism attacks. And it's like, and, the, and that's for that very same reason. Like it's it's again, it's, it's hashtag too real, but like. That's like a real world thing that actually it does occur, and it actually and actually is a real security threat. Um, so I didn't know that yeah. actually. I didn't know you did that. No, I mean I knew that, but I didn't know that's what you did before this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then I don't know. Uh, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like I don't know. It's kind of like my love for horror. Like people just assume, or people see me as a really happy-go-lucky person. And then some people are surprised that I love horror and the macabre and stuff. So it's it's a similar thing with like counterterrorism. Like you into counterterrorism? Like that's you should be, I don't know, doing something else. So yeah, people always find it surprising. Not that I'm into horror movies, but they find it surprising that I really like true crime. And they're like, really, you? I wouldn't peg that. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I have a coffee book table that's just crime scene photos Mm. so yeah welcome to my world right yeah but that's i don't leave that out because i feel like that would put a lot of people off so it stays hidden away but yeah i mean you know everybody has their thing but i actually thought you were gonna go down a different route oh no i was just explaining there's like real world precedent for like you know, like like suicide, so like terrorists and like suicide bombers actually like recruit uh, family members, female family members of um into into their cells, or uh, they actually disguise, they actually dress up with like fake baby bellies with bombs inside, um, which is very, very very grim, um, but it, it happens, and you know that's. Uh, that's that's an unfortunate reality of of the world, but it just ties back into this theme where, like, you know, um, you know, 
uh, pregnant women, just, uh, I, 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 people don't assume that they're capable of violence and, you know, that's how you, that's how like Ruth got away with it. I'm going to get on the, uh, hashtag do real train, hashtag too real train, uh, for one more second and then we're going to go back to the funny, um, that aside, there is also people don't think not just pregnant women, but people also think mothers aren't capable of hurting their children. And you, I found that there has been a spike in mother on children crimes. I mean, there are cases of mothers who drown their kids in bathtubs uh, because they hear voices, and there are people. Who who just do the worst things to their children and they're supposed to be mothers. Um, now, I will acknowledge that postpartum depression is a, is a postpartum depression is a real thing and I'm not knocking that. I f- feel like there is much more awareness of it now. Granted, it, it could still be seen as a taboo. But there's much more awareness now and there are ways for people to not feel alone and actually be able to talk about that. So I feel like that is super important when it comes to stuff like pregnancy. You don't talk about, I mean, nobody talks about that it can get really ugly, that it's not all bliss and whatever, but nobody talks about what happens after that. Like what happens if you do have postpartum depression? Like what do you, what do you do? So, and that's why that's why I love uh the character of the midwife so much. Like at the beginning of the film, it seems she was just like plucky comedic relief. But then by the end of the film, like she becomes like this fully fleshed out three-dimensional character with like gen with Yeah, she's like the voice of reason. She's like she's she acts as the moral compass and she has like this really insightful um uh, I guess uh, um, she she con- she consoles Ruth uh, in a way that's that isn't like condescending or pandering or yeah like, she doesn't patronize her too wishy washy because like what you see a lot in the film is you see like like the pregnancy being put on a pedestal like 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 we like we mentioned before um, I think Ruth being spoon fed this idea that pregnancy is supposed to be beautiful um, and it should be cherished and it should be, but there's also a a dark underbelly um, and a dark, uh, I guess like a dark ugliness and a, that you have to deal with. It it, it just comes with the package. And I love the midwife because she just sets it straight. She's, she sets it in a way where it's, it's consoling and manageable, but like it doesn't insult the intelligence or the, um, the the values or or just her, Ruth's situation. Um, like she's very a very empathetic character, and I loved her. She was one of my favorite characters. Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, so fun fact to break up all the gloom. The baby at the end of the movie is actually Alice Lowe's real baby. Whoa, mm-hmm. that's that's great. Yep, that was her baby. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Um, oh, and also to cut the gloom, I want to mention my favorite funny scene, um, where Ruth was killing the, the, what's his name? DJ Dan, who was a total scumbag. Oh my God. He was such Um, a scumbag. He vomited in his wig and then kissed her because he was like, you don't care what people do to you, do you? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, you're a pig. You are, you are a filthy pig. Yeah, I mean, this is not the funny part, but, like, it's interesting how Ruth's victims are all people who are, like, legitimate scumbags in their own way. Uh, except for that one guy, Miss Josh, like, the really nice guy with the niece. But, oh, the roommate. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> the roommate. The poor roommate. But uh, Ruth is targeting uh, these individuals who escape responsibility or they uh excuse themselves from um from like the responsibility of raising a child or like 
Uh, so you have like DJ Dan, who's like, I'm a weekend warrior, and like I don't want to get tied down because I still have stuff to do. Or you have like the workaholic mom, or um, the workaholic lady who just works all the time. She makes no time for herself, um, and she has like no personality. Um, but that's not the funny part. The funny part is with DJ Dan after he's killed, uh, you have his uh, senile mother uh, who walks out. Um, and she, she, she doesn't notice the thing and you have this really jarring black comedic moment where, uh, DJ Dan's just bleeding all over the carpet and, uh, Ruth is tucking the, the old lady into bed and Oh yeah, he lives goodnight. with his mom. Yeah. And I, was it, was that, was that his mom or was that like an elderly roommate? No, I, I no, that was his think, mom. Yeah. And then, and then, and then Ruth starts the, the washing machine for her. It's like, it's like, oh, I need to wash your clothes. And then Ruth's like, oh, no, 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 you go to sleep. I'll take care of it. It's like, and it was, it was like how it was shot and how it was just opposed with the, the, the bloody murder. I just found it like so quirky and odd and, and funny. And that was like one of my favorite funny moments of the movie. I, I just, I think that Alice Lowe did something incredibly remarkable with this movie and deserves a lot of praise for that. She wasn't getting hired, which gets reflected in the movie in, in one part, but she wasn't getting hired. Yeah, um, so right, uh, this is a good time to explain like the production side, so oh, yeah, can you elaborate yeah, yeah. more on that? So she she wasn't getting hired, so she, she decided... Well, screw it. I'm going to make this movie myself while I'm eight months pregnant with my daughter. Uh, and she shot this movie in, what was it? I believe it was... 11 days. Yes. So she she shot the movie in 11 days. She wrote it in three. And I think my favorite factoid about this was that tagline for the movie was killing for two. I was like, <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Uh, I did, so in between all of this, Ruth is having flashbacks, not just of the loss of her partner, but she's having flashbacks of this movie that she keeps, that she had watched. Um, and after she, after one of the kills, she starts to reenact this scene from this movie. And the baby's like, don't do it in public. You're going to attract attention to yourself. You're not that good. Put your hands down. And it was just a really funny moment. She was like, that was the first like, joyful time we saw Ruth. And uh, I was really curious because the imagery for that movie that Ruth had watched the way it carried itself, she mimics the facial expressions, she mimics the gestures. So obviously it made an impact with her. And I was really curious as to what that was because it was, it, it went all the way through the movie and it tied everything together. So I looked it up and it's actually a black and white film called Crime Without Passion and it's from 1934. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's, a, it's a recurring I want to watch it yeah it's a recurring motif and image and um, it's really interesting throughout the film she like she's emulating uh, the imagery of this classic horror film and it's like a it's like Ruth is transforming into this modern version of that film uh, of these creepy these creepy ladies wearing death masks and reveling in in horror and terror and it's it's really interesting and like this also ties into um the end of the film which i was explaining or i was i was musing with ryan and ryan i need your expertise like i wasn't quite sure if she actually left the baby like well one like it's the, the the end of the movie seemed really it seemed like a dreamlike quality so like what happened um she gives birth to the baby um and i she kisses it goodbye and then she ends up like on the cliffs i guess originally where her husband died and she lights a candle uh in memoriam to her late husband and she oh throughout all the killings there was one that got away uh, the leader of this climbing group that basically they made a group decision and he, the, the leader himself 
cut the cord that led to Rue's husband dying and bashing his head on the rocks. Um, and uh, in the in the climax of the film, Ruth confronts this climber, but uh, she then she starts she her water breaks and she ends up getting pregnant and she never gets to do the deed. Um, and at the end of the film, it's uh, on one hand it seemed like Ruth accepted uh, the past. Um, because like it's it seems really dreamlike. Like she's walking towards the guy, uh, the, and the guy turns around. And he's smiling, and in the end, she does that classic emulation of that horror movie where like she she thrusts her hands in the air and she has a super creepy uh, rage face going on. And and the movie the movie cuts to black. It's like oh, so was it in her head? Because and what did it really happen? Because like I said before, Ruth can be an unreliable narrator sometimes. Or... Well, she's clearly mentally ill. Yeah. She thinks um, her kid's talking to her. Yeah. I was like, or 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 is the baby still with her? Like in or like in like the the presence? Like I I don't know what Ryan explained the ending to me. Well, I have I questions. I'm not Alice Lowe, so I can't really explain the ending. But this is the way I took it. Dream or not dream, this is the way I saw it. Uh, given the fact that throughout this entire movie and we're going to be repeating this a lot because this is a huge part of the movie uh it's heavily emphasized that whatever ruth does affects her child uh that her body and her life are are not her own anymore they belong to this baby so she goes to this halloween party dressed up the way you see on the poster uh, with the intention of killing this guy because baby said so. She's like, you finished the job. You have to kill this one. And she doesn't because her water breaks. And she's having labor contractions. She can't get it done before she goes into labor. And I think the most jarring part of that is they go from her bending over and screaming to the haziness to very quick cesarean section and you're like oh wow okay and then there's ruth and baby next right up soon to be after and as she's collecting herself she's talking to ella who has been her medical professional this whole time and she says the past doesn't matter anymore you're a mom now so the way i took it is She's a mom now. She is now accepting her fate as a mom. She's accepting the fact that she has to do things for her child. And she did not kill this last person for her child. So that's what she's going to do. That's how she's going to start this life with her new baby is by doing what baby wanted her to do in the first place. That's the way I took it. What, like in her head or not, that is the exact way I took it. I was like, this is her accepting responsibility <laughs> as a mother. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's the way I took it. I was reading up comments. Uh, I think it, I think it was like Reddit. Um, uh, and there was this one really interesting ending that I wish. I mean, I, I mean, again, Alex, uh, 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 Lowe's vision was perfect, and uh, I loved it. Uh, although I just I felt a little guilty wanting or after reading this message I I thought it was a bit really cool where uh, I forget the Reddit the redditor who posted it but basically they were saying uh, it should have ended on a scene where Ruth is with her baby at a supermarket uh, and she's shopping for I like baby food and all of a sudden you hear the the voice of the baby like either coming from her from her lips or in their disembodied voice kind of effect where you've been hearing the entire movie where the the baby basically curses around saying, like, no, not that you bitch. Like that, this food It's like, yes. Oh my God, that would have been, that would have been amazing. It's like, Holy shit. Like, because it would, it would have just like, it would just stay true to like the whole weird satirical black com- comedic tone of the entire movie. But I mean, that's a different. That's like a very different ending, and I feel like this movie had a really poignant message to get across, especially by the end of the film, uh, especially in that moment with her final interaction with the midwife and uh, with Ruth. So, 
uh, I don't know. I mean, that, that, that it's a fun thought experiment, but I really, um, I really enjoyed um, how it wrapped up. Even though it's like ambiguous, but I like ambiguous endings sometimes because it leads to fun theory crafting like this, like we're doing right now. Yeah. Um, I also like how Alice decided to make her character's name Ruth, given how utterly ruthless she is, which was probably the point. But I thought it was, I thought it was great. Um, so quickly going back the, to the 1934 movie that she has obviously connected so strongly with, uh, like I said, it's it's called Crime Without Passion. And I actually looked up a little bit of the movie. Like, I was trying to find a trailer, but instead came across, like, a lot of clips. And I fell on a quote from one of the clips that says, From beyond a man's dreams lurk the Furies, the three sisters of evil who lie in wait for those who live dangerously and without gods. Those are the beings that Ruth constantly flashes back to whenever she does something and immolates because she like she like throws her hands in the air and like she has like the same the same death mask face yeah yeah exactly she has taken on the persona of these furies and what they're representing and i thought that that quote in and of itself surrounding the movie was really really interesting and powerful so i was like oh okay (laughs) now i really want to watch the movie (laughs) I'm not pregnant. <laughs> you don't have to worry about me killing people. Uh, no, but I do I do think that I uh, would like a later episode to be done on that movie. And also because it would be kind of nice to go way far back into horror. Yeah. So look out for that. That will absolutely be a future episode. Um, so do you have any other thoughts about the movie? I honestly, I just, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed this. It was different. Um, I made the mistake of reading some of the reviews uh, f- for this movie. What, and before you watched it or you... after you watched it? Okay. After, after. And I got to tell you, y'all got to be kind, okay? Because not every revenge movie is going to stick to utter br- and sheer brutality. This was different. And I think that there's some kudos to to uh, be distributed here with this one. So y'all got to be a little bit kinder is all I'm saying. Movie reviews are all subjective in the end, so. Oh, yeah, we're completely biased, but that's besides the point. But, I mean, as long as you enjoy the movie or you got something out of it. And I, I really think this movie... Um, I think more than anything, it just provided like a really, really interesting dialogue about pregnancy, um, and about how being a mother and, and, and how, and like being a mother or especially like a, like a widower and a, a single mom in a society that, you know, doesn't, oh, doesn't really treat moms that well, you know, and it's something that. It's, again, hashtag too real. I mean, but I think it comes from a really genuine space uh, in Lowe's life where it encapsulated all these frustrations and all these thoughts that she herself has, has gone through in her real life and wrapped it up in a nice little bow of a horror movie. And I think it, it just provides... It's a really thought-provoking movie. Um, and it's a really funny movie. So you, you have a you have a, a, a bit of both worlds. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it creates a really interesting and poignant narrative on pregnant women and pregnancy and maternity and not well, yeah, maternity and motherhood. Um, I think I respect pregnant women more. I mean, not that I didn't respect them before, but I think I respect them twice as more now. It's funny the way horror movies might have that effect on people, but it's nice to see a pregnant woman. I don't want to say struggling because it's not nice to see them struggling, but it's nice to see well, it be... I guess portrayed realistically. Yeah, to see it be recognized yeah. and portrayed in a movie. Um, and I think disguising it with dark comedy was absolutely the way to go. So Alice Lowe, like, 
this was spot on and I and I really hope to see other things from her because she has a very specific or at least she did with this movie she had a very specific mindset it might have had something to do with the fact that she was eight months pregnant but I would love to see where else her mind takes her yeah, yeah. And I, I need to watch Hot Fuzz again because she appeared in Hot Fuzz. It's like, oh, I love Hot Fuzz. So. I, yeah, I just, I want to see what else she does. I want to see what else she can do with, with film and stuff. So I'm excited. Uh, let's see. I have her IMDb page uh, on right now. Um, so Prevenge came out in 2016. So since then she's done... Chubby Funny, The Ghoul, Mosquito, Ghosted, Carters Get Rich, uh, a television series, uh, Honey, a oh, Wild Honey Pie, Flowers, um, and other po- uh, projects of hers that are in post production and and filming and it and pre production. Uh, you have Solace, The Fight. Sometimes, always, never, the encounter, and eternal beauty. So, so, so check out her INDP page and check out those films. Cool. Um, so, yeah, Ryan, are you ready for our segment? Which hopefully this time won't get <laughs> too hashtag too real. Um, I don't think it's going to this time. I think we because okay. we've done some quality control. Am I right? I I think we did okay with this one. Uh, we're we so, we're sorry, listeners. Or you know, I don't know why this podcast just just goes all over the place and it goes to like really dark and real life, real really real uh, places. So we're trying to we're trying to cut that with some some levity. So. We hope this segment of what's more spoopy or phobia of the week goes well. So, Ryan, what do we have today? <laughs> so, today, our se- <laughs> our spoopy segment is... Okay, bear with me as I try to sound this out. Is It's uh, a long one. <laughs> which is ironic. It's... Hip. <laughs> I, I, I can't even. I can't even. I, I, uh... A moment of silence for my English major. Uh, hip. Hippo. Hippopoto. Oh, Hippo. Oh, fuck it. It's. <laughs> fuck it. It's fear of long words versus <laughs> Anna today phobia which I find very extraordinarily fascinating and funny at the same time, which is the fear that somewhere in the world a duck is watching you. Okay, so the fear of long words or hippopotomonstrosesquitidaliophobia. Yeah, it's giving me agita just trying to figure out how I, to say it, and I'm not, I'm not here for it. <laughs> this, this word is probably like 15 syllables long. I'm not even kidding. It's... Also, how rude of whoever decided to make the word up for this phobia. Uh, blame it like, on how Latin. Rude. It's a dead language we can't kill it because it's dead and it's ironic and it's laughing from the grave at us. Um, well, fuck you too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, like, I'm my my camp right now is fear of long words because, I mean, we're on a podcast and. I can't even. I just sound horrible. Just trying to sound this out. Like <laughs> it's like rip, rip my liberal arts education. Rip my command of the English language, because this this word just gives me social anxiety. Trying to say it out loud on a podcast, and it's yes. Yeah, it's given. It's given me agita. I don't. I I dislike this feeling that I that I have. So it's fine. <laughs> And meanwhile, I mean, a duck. A duck is watching you. I mean, ducks are it's cool. Not, it's not I just like that ducks. a duck is watching you, like, at that moment. It's just, like, it's, like, that moment in all the time. But it could be anywhere in the world that that duck is just watching. I find it so odd and wonderful. Just, like. <laughs> mm. I think it's really quaint. It's like, oh, there's a duck that notices me. Thank yeah. you, Duck Senpai. <laughs> Thank you. You're great. <laughs> 
You're always watching out for me, wherever we are. I, I know if if all else fails, if, if life is so bad and and depressing, at least I know that a duck is thinking about me, and, and, and it's like great. I love it. So that is how I feel about those phobias because I just yes, just yes. Yes. Fear of long words, I think it, it, it's like, it's, yes. Especially when your podcast is like us, you want to try to sound articulate and you can't. I can't pronounce you that fucking word. There's 20 I can barely pronounce word. my own name today. I can't. I'm not, I'm I not even going to try that. <laughs> okay, you know what? We're going to post this word in the show notes and, you know, please. I'm please not going to be a like, dick and make the word the title of this episode because then I'm afraid no one will listen to it. I feel like there's also a character limit on SoundCloud. So. Touche. Uh, but that being um, said, <laughs> I'm, okay, you know, I will put it in the show notes, yes. Uh, <laughs> anyway, all in all, I loved Prevenge. It's definitely not the last time we're going to review a movie that's a shutter exclusive it's definitely the first of many and i yeah. am super stoked so shutter thank you and um alice Rowe, or i'm sorry alice Lowe, thank you for making this film it's great and we greatly enjoyed it yes so if you're keeping up with us and you want to Make sure that you don't get spoiled for the next episode. Our topic for our next episode is actually home invasion movies. And we're doing Hush and You're Next, which I'm really excited about because I have gone my whole life without seeing You're Next and not knowing anything about it other than the fact that it is a a home invasion movie. So I'm really, really Mm -hmm. excited for Mm -hmm. that episode. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So in preparation for episode four, our home invasion film, or our home invasion podcast um watch those two films and maybe take some notes or or, or you could listen to it blind but <laughs> i'm sure you're gonna be very lost and confused but that's up to you this is america you can do what you want <laughs> uh but yeah so uh so that's your homework for next time and we hope you enjoy prevenge so if you don't have Shutter, um, you can get like a seven or a free trial for seven days, so you can get the trial and watch Shutter or watch Prevent and all the other cool Shutter films exclusives on their platform. So go check it out. Yes, um, as always, uh, I am Ryan Marlowe, one of your hosts, Woo-hoo! and that is Chris Sampson, who's another one of your hosts. And we'll see you guys next time. Stay dreadful. Stay dreadful.